What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I want to welcome y'all to another episode of the On The Stoop Podcast. Once again, my name is JD, Stoop, and I'm here with the squad. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, fellas. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy, J- G Money, and uh, we on the stoop, baby. And it's your boy, JP, you know, speaking up, you know what I'm saying? Finally, <laughs> <laughs> NSP Walk, and it's, uh, it's On The Stoop. So once again, man, this is the On The Stoop Podcast. Now, typically how things usually work is we have a series of topics, and we always end with a topic called GOAT Talk, but I'm pretty sure all of y'all have seen what's going on in the world right now with the police brutalities and all the protests and everything. You know, rest in peace, George Floyd, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, I believe is his name. If I yeah. got that incorrect, yes, I do sir. apologize, yes. as well as the, uh, the, the lady, Breonna Taylor. So this week's episode, man... It's going to be a little more serious. We're not going to end it with a goat talk just because, you know, it just didn't feel like the the episode of or the time to do that. We're really just going to give y'all our opinions on a couple of things we want to know about, you know, just the divide in the nation right now. And it's going to come from a the aspect of four black men at this table. I mean, we're all someone's sons. We're all husbands, brothers, nephews. Two of the individuals at this table are fathers, so I definitely want to hear from them. And yeah, man, we just gonna we gonna give y'all our input. You know, as always, if y'all have any sort of input of what we got to say, or if y'all feel a certain type of way of things, y'all know where to find us at, man. Our, our IG is at We On The Stoop. We also have an email address on the Stoop Tampa at gmail dot com. Feel free to go ahead and just, you know, give us y'all feels or opinions on what we got to say, man. And with that being said, the first question that I have for you fellas is going to be what needs to be done to fix the divide between law enforcement and minorities? I mean, we all see what's going on. I don't know you know, how many times we've seen in the news where a individual or a minority has been killed by a police officer. That's got to change, man. So, like, what what do y'all think is impacting this, or what do we need to do to fix this, man? All right. So, I guess I'll start it off. Um, you know, I don't I don't think the situation can be improved, at least not in the short term, because there's a lot of racist cops out there that that do whatever they want, no matter what. And it's it's difficult to to weed out people in the institution that kind of don't really care about. The people who they're policing, uh, and that comes right. from a, a police brutality standpoint. That comes from a race standpoint. That comes from a, a financial standpoint. A lot of a lot of what they do is based off of a lot of what the people that are funding them uh, want to achieve. Right. And most of that money is coming from what class of people? It's the not poor it's, folks. Yeah. It, well, no, not not necessarily even the poor folks because poor folks don't generate that much tax revenue that goes to police stations and, and police things. And so if they if if you're going to support the needs of the majority, you're going to support the needs of white people. And that is when you have the, the Karen that was in New York that was calling the cops on the guy that was, that was uh, talking about her dog or trying to get her to put her dog on a leash. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of people to that- To follow the law. Yeah. Those are the kind of people that, that, that serve the police or that, that the police serves. So right. it's like the thing that you have to do is, is you have to change the mindset of the people that are calling the police and that are requesting the police, police every day. Now, a lot of that kind of comes down to sometimes um, what kind of reforms that we want to have in regards to the police force in general. Do we want to do we want to privatize them? Do we want to abolish the police force at uh, wholesale? Do we want to do different things with the police force so that we we can we can have them move their resources to different things that that we want as a as a culture or as a society? Um, Unfortunately, we're not a big part of, of of American society as a as a number standpoint because we're only 12-11% of the population. So beyond that, I'm not sure exactly what else we can do. Nah, so just to piggyback off what you said, you you said something that was a really good idea. Maybe we should be able to vote who is a police officer and you know, kind of, instead of having it as a regular a job that anyone can apply for after the academy. Maybe we should be able to vote on that, kind of like we do. Kind of like we do our our you know our our senators, our mayors, you know, different things like that. Because I look at police officers in the same light that I look at pilots. 
you know, pilots are, you're not allowed to have a bad pilot. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone's lives is in your hand when you're getting on an airplane. A pilot, there's not allowed to be any bad pilots. So why are there, why are they allowing bad police officers? So maybe that's something that the people should be able to vote on. So let me ask you. So are you saying we should hold an election like we do your police commissioners? Yes. Okay. We should be able to vote for the actual officers that are on the street. Because your police commissioner is not out here, you know, making the everyday arrests or doing any traffic stops. So maybe we should be able to vote down to to those people because those people are the ones yeah. policing our community. It's yeah. just an idea. It's an idea. I just don't know how valuable that is for everyday policing because you have what hundreds of police officers. You got a lot of them. Say, yeah, that's and, a that's an interesting take. And, but you got a lot go ahead, of JP. Not just feel like from from my opinion for us to close the the gap. Is do a lot of retraining. That too. That was gonna be my next that, point. Definitely training. retraining. Um, and I would say start from scratch. Start over. I mean, yes, it's a long shot. Yes, but not um, necessarily, JP. That's we not ha- necessarily a, a long. We stretch. have heard that before. Yeah, they. Definitely That's not an original idea. Yes, but I also agree. Like you know, black people are not should not be targeted the way they are. And you know, when they train police officers, they use us. When they're doing target practice. Right. So it's just like that alone should be the red flag. Like, hey, we need to do some change and set the standards. And hey, a criminal is a criminal. A person that's doing a crime is like from scratch. You know, there's there's um there's something that I seen that was going around that uh there's like these eight, seven or eight things that that kind of police police is uh, supposed to be doing now where they. Right. I think they it's like reforms to where you can't use a chokehold. You can't do certain things excessive like that. Excessive force, yes. Yes, excessive yeah. force. Yes. But the thing is with that is that a lot of a lot of police departments have that now and they're still engaging in those things. When Eric Gardner got killed in New York, um, chokeholds have been abolished on police force for I think about twenty years before that even happened. But you know what's funny about that? Because with the whole thing that happened with George Floyd, they said that the the state of Minneapolis or their police commissioner, whoever it was, I, I don't remember who it was, I do apologize, stated that the the force that that individual used or the, the method that he used was a sanctioned method. Like that was a that was able to be what? used in the state of Minnesota. And I, I think that's a result of what yeah, I was saying because like it wasn't that, one of those seven seven reforms. He was allowed to put his knee on someone's neck for almost nine minutes and, and it, it not, was okay. Like no one no one and what blew me, I didn't see the other end of the picture from the other end of the street. They had he had three other guys on top of him. Yeah, he had there was three other guys, and there was one guy standing back to to make sure the crowd stayed away. But for one man though, for one man who had a hand, black man, handcuffs know? behind he his back, he was cuffed. Already. He was cuffed. He was cuffed. And so now all of those individuals are facing charges. They upgraded the initial guy. Remember, he was given that bullshit third degree murder, third murder, degree murder. Yeah. Excuse me. And I thought that was a fucking joke. Like, well, the, I read the law on that and, and the murder. So second degree didn't fit because second degree was with the intent of committing a felony. So I thought that, that was first degree. I First degree no, didn't no, no, fit. I thought second no, degree first degree murder. is just premeditated okay. murder. Like you planned it. I want to murder somebody. But second degree it had had to come with like a felonious offense with it. So like you were trying to rob him or you were trying to do something felonious to him. Okay. And then he ended up dying from that, but that wasn't your intent. Yeah. So that's yeah. why they downgraded it to third degree murder because third degree murder is just accidental death. Well, it's it's second in degree now. It's it's officially second degree now. Well, yeah. So they they looked at his face obviously, yeah. and it was like, all right, he's not gonna get up, so it should be second degree murder. And I believe the other three got aided in the bedding of a murder or something. And like they that. should absolutely. Watching the whole thing go down. <clears throat> but then nothing. again, the police department is a fraternity, so they're gonna always take take up for their own and that's, absolutely that's yeah. one that's one reason why i don't think it's going to be an easy reform if you it's are not. going to be able to change it, it because can. you see did you see the thing in buffalo how the, the i was got pushed oh down? i was getting ready to say that how they pushed that old man down his head was leaking bro yes before they knew a video was out they released a statement stating that he tripped and fell that's it clearly do. shows that he was them pushed. pushing that old man down I saw clearly shows he was pushed brother or not he should have jaw checked him he wasn't even the white guy. I mean, no, black no, guy. He was white. He was a white no, guy. No, no, white no, 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 guy. No, I'm just saying, like, for him to push that, that police officer to push that guy down, he should have jogged him. Hey, man, you doing? JP, too much. that guy had to be all of maybe seventy the, years I old. He was an old man. He was older. Legit, man. you could see the blood leaking, leaking onto the sidewalk, bro. 
And you trying to tell me he tripped and fell? You trying to tell me y'all were that threatened by a senior citizen? And this is not this is not only affecting black people at all. This especially, is affecting citizens. Like it ain't just black now. people. It's more so black people, but it, it ain't just black people. And I think you also got to get rid of you. You got to get rid of people with with racial bias. Yes, that that is a, a big thing in the death of our our black brothers and sisters. It has to be racial bias. Because I don't think we, that's ever gonna go away though. Well, that's never gonna go away, yeah. but that's that's the building block behind reform in this. And I'll tell you why I don't think it'll ever go away. So everybody at this table went to Brandon High School. Yes. Hmm. For those of you who don't know, Brandon High School is a predominantly white school. Was. Still is. There there's there's black people there, but we're still the minority. It's still a predominantly white school. How much how much shit did y'all get from the white kids a day? A lot. That's all we got. Like we got a bunch of bullshit from white guys, like we we got nothing but bullshit, bro. For what? Like it's we all graduated. G, you graduated '08. We graduated '09. Like we, it's 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 been quite some time since we we dealt with the the segregation. Hell, my dad graduated in '72 from Middleton High School, and I think in like when he was in high school, that might have been the year before they desegregated or like in the peak time of, of the Jim Crow era. Right. Yeah. We still putting up with the same bullshit. Right. Like this shit here, it's I don't think it's gonna change be the racial shit that you state is gonna change because there are people still teaching the kids this shit. Yes. And also I think a lot of people don't even know that they're racially biased. Like the behavior that they exhibit, they don't even know that they're being racially biased. They're just taught this this behavior and a lot of people i don't think a lot of parents are like really explaining <clears throat> explaining it to them they're just teaching it to them which is crazy that in 2020 we still going through the same bullshit like that's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. but to bring it bring it back to like the police department stuff and how to improve it uh the thing i was bringing up about buffalo is that the the uh there's two officers that got suspended for pushing that that got to the ground mm-hmm. and hurt his head the the result of that was that the other 57 members of, resigned, that, of right? that police squad resigned from the actual special forces team. So they're still police officers. They just resigned from that special forces team in support of the two guys that got suspended. They didn't resign because of what happened. They just resigned because two of their own got suspended for something that they, they believe he shouldn't have been suspended for. Which is crazy. So if you have, if you, like how they say it's, uh, you have a few bad apples. And the, the, the phrase actually is a few bad apples spoiled a bunch. Exactly. Yeah, right. And it it's not just there's a few bad apples. No. And, and that's the thing that nobody's really saying. The statement is, like you said, it, it spoils the bunch, especially when it's a fraternity. So there's a couple bad apples they're going to cover up for those bad apples. There's not going to be too many whistleblowers if, if that's the if that's the culture around there. Yeah, because if you speak up, you're getting kicked out. You're getting kicked out. Yeah, yeah. But you know what kills me about that statement, a few bad apples? There are some careers or some yeah some careers or occupations that there shouldn't be any bad apples. that's what i'm saying police officers is one of them pilots if yes. you could you imagine if someone oh well, we had a few bad pilots they just preferred to crash instead of land yeah why can we have a few bad yeah we had a few bad pilots uh, for uh, get gas in the plane why can we have a few bad cops like how is that uh, they're supposed to protect and serve us but we got a few bad cops that's complete BS, bro. Like that that shouldn't be a thing. There no. should be no bad apples when it comes to the police force. That's ridiculous. Not enough for me to add on to the question or answer the question. Uh, I feel like officers should be held accountable. Very much so. For, for everything they do. Because if they were held accountable just like a normal person, uh, as a law-standing citizen, excuse me, as a law-standing, uh, as a citizen, um, I think there wouldn't be as many shootings or killings or police just using their, um, just, just just overall just abusing their power. Right. Taking over us. And JP, you just hit the nail on the head. The, the entire thing about this is abusing power. Because I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. And the only reason I've seen this is because my wife, for some reason, made me watch this with her. It was the Stanford Project or something like that, where mm. it showed that basically if you put anybody in a position of any sort of power... They will eventually abuse it, right? Because these were regular college kids. I think they might have been like psychology majors or something like that, and they turned them into guards of a prison. And the prisoners were other college students, 
Right. And eventually they they abuse their powers. They psychologically and physically abuse these quote unquote prisoners. So it shows that anybody in a position of power, they will eventually abuse that power. And that's part of the problem right there. There are so many police officers, and I will say there are so many that don't. There are some good cops out there. They're not all bad. But unfortunately, they're overshadowed because there are so many bad cops that abuse power. And until we can fix that, I don't really think we can ever fix the divide between minorities. Like it, Because that goes hand in hand with the inequality that we're trying to fight. Absolutely. When, somebody's, when somebody is abusing their power thinking that we're supposed to be subordinate, and they're not supposed to, because police officers are supposed to serve our community, they're not supposed to be killing us. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's tough, you know, fighting that inequality when they feel that that we are inferior to them and they are superior to us. So, you know what? That actually does. I thank you for that. That actually leads me into the second question I have for y'all, because my question is, why are we as African-Americans or even minorities as a whole? Why are we not given the same civil liberties as our our white counterparts? Like, why is it that we're we're not able to be given these these opportunities? Well, so that 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 comes with history. That comes with the history of this country. And we've never really like we've been given things a tablespoon at a time. Absolutely. If you know what I mean. So slavery and then once slavery was over, we were slowly being able to do things that normal human beings were able to do. Um, we were we were able to like for example we were able to fight in the war for rights that we weren't allowed to have when we returned from said war. Absolutely, we could fight for for this country, but as soon as we got home, we couldn't sit in the restaurant to get a cup of coffee. And now and not only that, we were reminded too, we were the reason why we allowed you guys to be in this war. As soon anyway. as we got back from the war, we were reminded that you're still black. Calm down. Absolutely. You still are inferior to me. So that is that it, it came from a history and we never really. And every time that they changed the Constitution to add rights for us, they also added stuff in there to also keep us suppressed and oppressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In every way. And there are people out there who are saying, well, y'all do have the same civil liberties. I'll give you an example to, to prove true. to you that we really don't. And it's crazy because I just had a, a buddy that was with me. He experienced this with me. Reach out to me today, my my homeboy Marcus. And shout out Marcus Stoltz. Yeah, shout out my dog Marcus Marcus Stoltz. What Stoltz, up, man? I got his I got his permission to release his name. You know what I'm saying? Me and him had a long talk about this this morning because he hit me up out of the blue just to check up on me, and he started. You know what I'm saying? Just. Explaining how he had to educate a bunch of his coworkers, him being only like one of the only few black people in his his department, explaining you know what I'm saying why we're doing what we're doing or what's going on. Exactly. And the example he gave was the experience that me and him went through. And so basically, and to be honest, my my parents don't even know about this story. I've never told my parents this story. I just had this conversation with my wife about this happening four days ago, and this happened almost. I want to say 10 years ago, a little over 10. So it was the 2009. We had just graduated high school. Me, Marcus, his brother, and two other homeboys were just walking home, walking, not even home, walking to our cars from a house party. You know, as teenagers do, it was a Friday or Saturday night. We went to a house party and then we decided it was time to go. So we were walking to our cars. We weren't disturbing the peace. We weren't knocking on people's doors. We weren't trying to do anything illegal. We were simply walking from the house to our cars. I don't know who did it. I don't know who saw us. All I know is we were walking to the car and a sheriff car is driving down the road and they cut us off. We're on the sidewalk. We're not even in the street. They cut us off as we reached to someone's drive driveway. They cut in and almost hit the, the individuals who lived their car cutting us off. They get out the car. They have their hands on their holsters, getting ready to take the guns out. We haven't done anything. We haven't made any noise. We're just trying to get home. It's late. We're trying to go home. They get out the car. They basically detain us without putting handcuffs on us. They take our IDs. They search our cars. They frisk us. They even put put Marcus' little brother in the back of the police car because he was scared. I think his brother might have been, I know he was under 18. He might have been like 15, 16, if that. 
And they put him in the back of the car because he was scared. We did not know if we were going to make it out of this. And this was well before they all, you know, all the photos came out and all the videos were available for people, you know what I'm saying, uh, police brutality and all that. Like, we did nothing wrong. They couldn't tell us what we did wrong to this day. Like I said, this was at least 10 years, if not more, ago. Still don't know why they stopped us. But you're trying to tell us we have the same civil liberties? I can't even walk back to my car? We don't have the same civil liberties as our white counterparts. And it's, it's sad to say because we are in 2020. And this happened in, like I said, 2009. Yeah, yeah. Not much has changed. You don't, you don't get that benefit of the doubt. At all. Like there's no reason they should have got out their cars and immediately have their hands on their guns. At we were all, unarmed. At all, at all. We didn't look like we were getting into any trouble. We were simply walking down the sidewalk. Our cars were maybe 50 feet away. Like, how yeah. can you tell me we have the same civil liberties as someone else? I guarantee if it was a couple of white kids, nobody would have called and said anything. Right. But I don't know, man. Maybe, I, I, I honestly, I don't know, bro. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's sad to the fact where I think about this a lot, bro. Like, a lot. More than I should. Because I'm just, at the end of the day, I'm thankful, man. Like I told Marcus, man, we were blessed to make it out of there alive, bro. Because a lot of people didn't. Exactly. Like, we could have easily been a Eric Garner, uh, Philando Castile, I believe is his name. That's correct. Uh, yes. a Tamar Rice. We could have easily been one of those guys who's... No longer with us because they were killed by the police for no justified reason, bro. So, I don't know, man. You know, one thing that I think about the reason why they kind of police a little bit differently based on, on, on who we are comes back to right after slavery times. Because you had a whole generation back then of, of slaves... Uh, slaves and slave masters that they had that that work labor to kind of count on to be able to police with people on those plantations. Once slaves were freed, you didn't have anybody to police those people, uh, police black people as they were released into the free world. Right. So a police force was invented at that time to police the black people that were released. That were free. Yeah, that, were free that were free. free. So you had you had police officers that were or not even officers at the time, you just had police that were going around threatening black people. Killing people. Killing people. They were killing them, lynching them. For the, for the sake of supporting the, plant, the former plantation owners, the former landowners, those kind of things. So when you have a bunch of people like that that are going on a police force and that being passed down through generation after generation after generation, it's really only been about probably the past 40 or 50 years that you even had probably black people in the police force at all. Right. Because of what? 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 What newly freed slave are they going to let be in a police force? None. None at all. Exactly. Police force? you That's the last thing you would even <clears throat> think you would be qualified for. Just live at all. They just have changed, a normal they life. changed the definition of slavery once they released us. Exactly. It was Absolutely. called indentured servitude at that point where they made those folks work for pennies. Yeah. Absolutely. So they paid them, but it was Terrible. for pennies. Yeah, yeah. And see that 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 whole mindset as it gets passed along, it kind of leads to that 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 bias that police officers have when they go into their job every day. To think that white cops, black cops, Hispanic cops, any kind of cop, any cop you name is going to have that bias in their head when they come because you kind of get into that doctrine of just thinking like these people are bad, these people are going to do these things because that's just how how it's always been. But my thing is, what? Why do y'all fear us so much? What about our skin tone makes y'all so scared? Well, I don't. I don't understand that. Some, like, some of that, life of me. Some of that has evolved over time as far as what they fear, but they just right. fear us being in power and having some kind of sense of worth to ourselves. You, you, they constantly have to, to degrade our worth so that we know, so that we know that we're less so we than what they inferior. are. Inferior. Yeah. So we remain inferior. I agree years. with that. But I, I also, I also had because I never understood the behavior either. I was like, why do racists hate black people so, or hate people so much? But right. definitely black people. Like, why do they hate? us so much and then i thought about it i was like you know black dna is probably the strongest dna on the planet it doesn't matter what you mix black with it's black now so and the only way a white person can make another white person is with another white person mm -hmm. so i believe that a lot of racist people that hate black people are worried that they eventually are going to be gone and eventually it's going to be 
black people or some form of a black person. Yeah. Because we have many forms. We look like many different people. There's plenty of shades of black people. There's not too many shades of white people. There's just one shade of white people. Like, mm -hmm. black people are very diverse people. And I, I'm not saying this because I hate white people. I'm saying this because that's just what it is. Like, you, you have a lot of light-skinned white people. You have, you've got dark-skinned black, or, um, I'm sorry, light-skinned white uh, black people and, and dark-skinned black people. But the spectrum in between there is just so robust. Yeah, yeah. So the, our DNA is the strongest on the planet. And I also think that they think we want to get even. I think they, they think that we think I agree. about I think so too. 400 years of slavery. And we're thinking like, yeah, it's going to be some white people picking cotton now. Like, we're going to put y'all back. But, yeah, from the people on top. But police force is not coming from that elite elite presence where they think right. that they that much better than us and that's they true they just don't want us to see to get see us get to their level where they at and also i think the media the media is the reason why we're targets because if you look at the different media if you look at the different media outlets and sh and and see how we are portrayed on those media outlets we look like we don't take care of our kids we look like we all sell drugs we look like we don't have jobs we look like we're all trying to get over on the system we all look like we're drug dealers or drug addicts and even look at the movies that come out. Look at Tyler Perry's movies. Every black man in those movies is a terrible ass dude. Terrible. I mean, it, the one movie he's dragging a girl out the house and throwing her out the house. Forced her to sign a prenup. Like, it, I mean, they're all terrible dudes in all those movies. And there, there's things over the years that the government has done to kind of. Definitely that. Too. To not directly police the black black community, but to, to harm it. And such as removing black fathers from the homes back in the 60s, 70s. Right. During those epidemics and different things like that going on. For those of you guys that don't know, that's what Section 8 and food stamps were for. So Section 8, they, they said, look, black woman, we'll give you subsidized income and we'll give you groceries if you put the man out. Yeah. The man leaves the, the equation and now a whole generation of black men are raised by their moms with no dads. But you know what's funny about that food stamp stuff? There are more white people in food stamps than black people. Definitely. Yes. Like, not, it's not even close. Mm -hmm. There are so many white people on food stamps. But that's what it was created for. Absolutely. It was created for us because the black man was seen as the, the main target to destroy the black family. The black family is what made the black community so strong. And they said, if I can attack the black family, then I can break the black community down. Because... If I take the head of the household out of there, mm -hmm. empower the woman, she can, because I don't care. Look, I salute to all my single, single moms. moms out there, but it's difficult for you to teach a man how to be a man. That's just something that you're not a man. So it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's difficult for you to do. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of what we learn is kind of mirrored from people that we see or people that we interact exactly. with. If you don't have a lot of positive male figures or even just male figures in general in your life, you're not going to, you're not going uh, to, to progress past what you know in the moment or what you think you may know. Right. You're so, a product of your environment. Exactly. And I don't mean to say that negatively. I'm just being realistic. What you see around you daily is going to have the most impact on you. It's going to affect you the most. So if you come from a home that's broken or if you are around a bunch of individuals <laughs> not doing the right things, they're going to have the biggest impression on you because that's what you've seen all your life. And we all know as younger kids, I think what between like the ages of one and 10, you have they have like the most influence. You know, you're you're yes. taking in the most. Mm -hmm. So what you see on a daily basis is, is what you're going to you know, what you're going to become accustomed to. It's going to become a, a factor of your life. So it's going to have the most impact on you. So like I said, you are a product of your environment. And it's crazy because, you know individuals will always try to oh well you didn't have no dad but your your counterparts your what's the word i'm looking for not to be a, not to be insensitive or to be offensive but you all took our our fathers away because you you deemed they were a threat to society yeah mm -hmm. or a, a quote-unquote criminal mm -hmm. but you want to you want to make fun of that like you want to joke on the fact that our parents our fathers have been arrested or this that and the third i'm not saying that this is anybody at this table to be you know right, saying, right, specific yeah. i'm just saying in general but you 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 try to make jokes of that like 
I've always been taught, and I stand by this, that one of the most powerful things in this world is an educated black man. My dad taught me that at a very young age. My dad has a couple degrees, so my, my dad has always told me an educated black man threatens the way of life for our white counterparts, and I believe that. Because you see, no matter who that individual is, they could have been the, the greatest success story or the smartest man alive. If anything happens to them and there's any sort of a, a small record, you could have got a ticket for littering when you were three or whatever the case may be. They're going to find that and they're going to use that to tear you down bring, whenever that case up. comes, which is ridiculous to me. So, yeah, the moment, the moment you get pulled over, the moment you get arrested, the moment your face ends up on the news. One of the first things you see coming out is the, is a negative a part mug of that. Shot. A mugshot. Right. The, the picture they use is going to be a mugshot. It's not going to be you uh, in a tuxedo or a suit. Or, or, the point, or the point of your life where you're turning your life around. You yeah. Know, right. they, yeah. They're not going to look at that. To influence others that's below you. And so, if you don't have a mugshot, they're going to find a picture where you're just comfortable, joking around. Oh, let's use that picture when he was at the club. Exactly. Hanging out with They're going to use a club photo or something because everybody at this table has has never been arrested, as far as I know. If you have a, no, you ain't never, <laughs> you ain't never <laughs> tell me about and, it. And so look, you know, look, knock, and look, knock on wood. And, and exactly, yeah, knock on wood, wood that we never do. Not but I guarantee, man. if something was to happen to one of us, they are going to find some sort of picture where they can say, "Oh, look, he was a thug." None of us are thugs. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, everybody at this table are sons. Two of them are fathers. We're all husbands, brothers, nephews. We and don't I, have any records, but I guarantee they're going to find a unflattering picture of yes. us. I would also go on record to say even the thugs that they paint as thugs ain't thugs. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. just had to do what they had to do to survive. And that's just something they don't understand. Yeah. When you're put in a position to where you have to feed your family and you have to do whatever it takes because jobs ain't hiring you because of your background and jobs not hiring you because of you know how you look. You, you got to do what you got to do. So those people ain't necessarily thugs by choice. They're thugs because... Survival. They yeah. got to survive. Just don't, uh, just don't be taking pictures in front of them airbrush. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> in front of them airbrush club posts. Yeah, I got one. I got one. Yeah, don't do I, that no more. I have, it was a long time ago, me and my wife, bro. I got, I got one <laughs> Look at God, wife, he changed you. Hey. Completely. Won't he I'm, do it? I'm saved and sanctified now. <laughs> I got I got one photo in front of a uh, in front of a, a airbrush background. So just know if anything ever happened to me, and once again, knock on wood, and I pray to God that it doesn't. But I guarantee that's the photo they're gonna use. I don't even look like that no more. But mm-hmm. you got a beard now. I got a beard now. I had a baby face back then, but I don't know, man. I I honestly I struggle with just fear, bro. Like I, we getting ready. I know we getting ready to go into <clears throat> another. Another topic, but I just, I just got one more thing to say. I I, I struggle with fear as a black man. I'm I I'm scared, bro. Like going back to the initial question that we're on right now, the civil liberties, and I had a full heart to heart with my 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 wife about this. Um, I told my wife every day, like I get dressed just like every other person. I get out, get ready to go to work, and as soon as I drop drop off to her job and I'm headed to mine, I constantly look in the rearview mirror. Because I never know if I'm going to get pulled over. And I told my wife, and she really didn't like when I said this, but I, I had, I was like, I'm being honest with you. I'm one cop's bad day away from being on a t-shirt. Sure. Sad, but true. Like, yeah. so. And just to piggyback off of that, just for the last, the last comment I got on this topic. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've had that talk with my dad about how to deal with the police. And he taught me a lot of different things. He taught me, you know, keep your hands visible. Let your windows down. You know, be polite. He taught me how to deal with the police. And I would imagine that the, that the talk is different in a white household. Absolutely. Yeah. I would imagine that the talk is, you know, they serve you. Yeah. They fight for you. They're supposed to protect you. And that goes back to what I said in the beginning. So you don't yeah. take anything off of them. But we're helping them. We're funding them. Yeah, we're funding mm-hmm. them. We pay taxes so they can eat. But in our house, it's a lot different. We have to be cautious of that cop's bad day, like JD said. Absolutely. We have to be polite. We have to be subservient. We have to be. We have to be, you know, on our p's and q's at all times. We have to keep our IDs and 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 
and and uh, insurance paperwork where they can see them. You know. Yeah. And this was just a this was just a conversation <clears throat> that I'm gonna have to have this conversation with my son. And I feel like that it's 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 a it's just a travesty to have to have that that I have to instill this kind of caution and fear into him because he's a black man. Well, hopefully, all all this what's going on right now makes it so that you don't have to talk to your. And son I'm like hoping that. that that's the case. I hope yeah. I, I hope I don't have to sit my son down and say, "Look, a police officer will shoot you." Notice how I didn't say a white police officer. Mm-hmm. I said matter the race. I said a yeah. police officer will will shoot you if. You know, you're not yeah, abiding by what they think a black person should abide by. And you know what's funny? We had another question lined up after this, <clears throat> but I don't really want to talk about that. Let's go into it. I, cause yeah. I, the only reason I say I don't want to talk about it is because I want to talk to the two fathers at this table. Especially, especially you, G, with, a, with a, a black son going to be coming up in this world. And I just have a quick question for y'all. How do y'all navigate talking to y'all kids? JP, I'm, I'm addressing you first because although you okay. have a daughter, yes. you've been a father for, Faith will be, what, five this year? Yeah, should be five. And doing a great job. And doing an outstanding job as a father. Outstanding job. I love my goddaughter to death, and you are doing a great job raising her. But how do you navigate explaining to, if you've, I don't even know if you've had this conversation yet, but I know you've thought about it. How are you going to navigate explaining just the, the way our, we've got dealt a bad hand in this world as being African-American men and women. Like, how do y'all plan on just discussing this? Or have you given it any thought? Yes, I have thought about it. And um, as for me, um, for her, um, I go about it as... I don't just throw it on her. I just, like, as it comes up, because she asks questions every day. And every question differs from the, next, uh, from the previous day. But um, long story short... Um, say for an example, she asked me a couple of days ago, she asked me, well, why are people like, why? She, cause she say hey to everybody or whatever. And she said, why did mm-hmm. that person way back is that the third? And I'll tell her baby girl straight up. Not everybody in this world is nice. And a good chunk of these people, a chunk of the people in the world are cruel. They're not nice. So you, you just have to be, keep that in mind. Like you, not everybody in this world is nice. And, um, and that's just the beginning of it. And that's a one day you'll be able to understand. But like as that situation arises, that's when I'll educate her. I'm just not. I'm the kind of person. I'm not gonna just throw it all on her because she won't be able to comprehend it at that time. But yes. So as the time, as as the situation arises, I will address it and let her know. Be straightforward, straightforward with her, and just remind her who she is, and and go forward from there. And okay. yeah, you already know how my wife is. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Shout out so, Tasha. Absolutely. So. And then G, what I I know, you know what I'm saying, my and coincidentally enough, his child is also one of my god kids. So, you know. <laughs> so you you have a you have a son, so you know, I know your your son is is very young. He's coming up on his first birthday in a couple months, right? Couple months. Well, next month. That that thing. Nope, we in June. Yep. Was, July. Oh, wow. I thought July it was twenty third. Wow, time flies. Okay, yeah, so so for you, I know you can't have this conversation yet because, like we just discussed, your son is very young. So, have you? I I'm not gonna say have you because I know you have for a fact because we've had a couple conversations. How does this scare you, basically? Yes, every day, and um, it's funny that you mention that because me and my wife went back and forth about you know initially wanting to bring children in this world because I, I feel like this world is just a cruel place and I just don't want to put us in a position to you know potentially lose a child to you know a senseless act of violence or something stupid that happened a lot of different stupid things that happened in this world so for me I didn't really want children when we first got married because I just I just don't know if I'd be able to deal with the pain of losing one so I you know, this world is just a cruel place and, you know, but also I, I ended up getting out of my way and saying, you know, I can't be selfish. I owe it to my parents to allow them yeah. to have the chance to be a grandparent. I owe it to my wife as a good husband to allow her the chance to be a mother. So I had to get out of my own way. But uh, just to answer your question, 
I am going to have the conversation with him about dealing with the police and and about the inequalities that the black people face. I plan to do it the way my dad, you know, did it with me. Um, sometimes we jump in the car and we just go on a ride and we'd have like deep conversations about this. And we still do this to this day. Um, now that the third generation is here, um, right. we plan on doing this all together, but definitely just me and my son, we just going to get in the car and we just going to have some conversations about different stuff. And this is going to be one of the hot topics, you know? Um, my first talk about sex was in the car with my dad. (laughs) So, you know, all the main things that black men should be talking about with their sons, I'm going to do it in the arena that I was taught, you know, uh, in the car ride or, you know, just doing some father-son things together. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to have a conversation. And I also, you know, I want him to feel comfortable talking to me. So anything that he tells me, I'm not going to judge him. Right. You know, I'm going to make him feel comfortable because I feel like that's the key to being a great parent is being is having a an open line of communication with your children. Because when kids are afraid to talk to you, that's when you find stuff out instead of, you know, when you find stuff out too late. Okay. Okay. So, you know. that That's, that's the best and only way to do it because right. that helped me mold me into the man I am today because... Right. My father had his run in with the laws. And long story short of that, like you said, those rides in the car, straightforward from them. And yeah. I didn't I didn't know there were life lessons when they were happening. I just thought it was father son time, you know. Yeah, and he's I was just yeah. chopping it up with your pop. I was excited, you know, but he actually taught me a great deal about being a man just during those car rides. And I was really appreciative. I am now really appreciative. About that, you know, being a black man in America. Okay, like I said, I we had another topic in mind. We still gonna talk about that. We're just gonna be real brief with it. Actually, before before we get into those, one thing we were talking about earlier, and I see it's kind of breaking news. It says uh, Minneapolis City Council members have announced their intent to disband the Minneapolis Police Department and invest in community-led public safety. Agreed. Well, did you see the the latest thing that the police department in Minneapolis did? They were protests on the side of the road, and there were a long train of police cars. They were just spraying pepper spray out the window. Like, just spraying as they drove by, spraying it at, at the protesters. And this, I saw this on Twitter this morning. I believe this was from either yesterday or the day before. So, there's a serious problem with, with the Minneapolis Police Department. There's a serious, like we just discussed, man, there's you a notice serious Notice how we divide. didn't say everyone. All the police departments. I mean, we said Minneapolis. I mean, I mean technically, it's all. Yeah, it, it could be. It, it's definitely all, but it, at the moment, Minneapolis is the one that's at the forefront. The lights so, on them. The lights on them right now. TPD just had some issues this week with pepper spraying and all that as well, bro. So it's not just Minneapolis. This just those are the ones who are the most uh, visible at the moment because of everything that's going on. Yeah, but it's what I was saying is a bit of a, a, a positive development when it comes to. The I agree force. with that. And Absolutely. That kind of we, into it's a step in the right direction, man. Yeah. Because your community knows how to police your community. The people that live in your community know how to police it. Mm-hmm. So we... At least. We've, we've talked a lot. We got just one more, just one more kind of topic. And I think P-Walk got, a, got something he want to end on. <clears throat> so we'll try to keep this topic short. That's a simple question, man. It, the, the question is just, what do you think it will take for change to finally happen? So, for change to finally happen, and it's not just with the police department, it's with society as a whole. Um, some of that, I think, comes down to the way that we view everyday things. A lot of what gets pushed down onto minorities and people in less fortunate positions is just the fact that imperialist and, and capitalist methods kind of rule how we do our everyday life. People at the top are always gonna make decisions to benefit them. They're not gonna look out for the people that are on the bottom, that are struggling, which has historically been the black community. Absolutely. They're not gonna look out for the everyday person in anything that they're doing. You have these people like Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, that's the president. They have all these investments, all these different things. Their hands out everywhere. They own all these different corporations. All the money is tied up in white ants. I eat first. Yes. 
Facts. Out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. Yeah. So one thing, um, and one and one thing that I think that would change that would be um, a few more, not full on socialist policies, but just policies that would that would even out the playing field a little bit more to where you could get more money in the hands of black people. Absolutely. Absolutely. My thing is ownership. So we were having this talk off air and uh not not necessarily like a rehearsal or anything like that. We was having this conversation off air and I said, you know, our communities which what they call the ghettos or the poor communities, the hoods, the hoods. Um, black people don't own anything there. Um, you have but, the, but what's the reason why you don't own anything? It's because of, it's because of capitalism, because right. of imperialism. So it's like you, all, if all the money is tied up with white families and white people, because just because they they you you basically counting on um, white people in general to put their money into black hands by saying and they're not going to do that. They're not going right. to do that. They're not going to do that. But there are some rich black folk out there. Duh. Quite a few. So what what probably needs to happen is you know we need to own the cornerstones of our community and what are the cornerstones of our community a bank a hospital and a school those three need to be black owned if we can own those three in our community we can branch out into everything else but we need to be able to own those three in our community which will set up another quote-unquote black wall street which will tip the scales but it's not just own. We have to support them as well. Well, yeah. Well, there's no ch- there's no choice but to support a school, a hospital, maybe not a bank, maybe a bank, but a school and a hospital. You got to go to the hospital. So when there's emergencies, people are going to the closest hospital. That's just what that is. And in schools, people are going to go in your you're going to go in your zip code, in your jurisdiction, which is how they do the schooling. So if those can be all black owned then if those can be black owned then i think that'll tip the scales at least at least starting out mm-hmm. i mean i know it's not going to do it tomorrow we'd have to branch out to multiple <clears throat> cities but eventually though that's the start so we need ownership is going to be the start i mean that's that's that seems okay in the short term in in terms of just a mindset but that that mindset is just i don't know it's 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 what it's always been and I don't think things are going to change if you just try to level up the playing field by playing the same game that's, that we've been trying to play for the past 100 years. There's, there's always been a case for black ownership, and every time it's been torn down, every single time. It's not, it's not going to change this time because we have more people backing us or, or there's more non-black people that, that will support us. It's just I don't, I don't see that that is something that would support a whole generation of people coming up. Well, I think they would be a lot difficult, to, a lot more difficult to tear us down at this point where we're at right now. But you're you're looking at it from tear down as as a physical tear down, right? There's there's definitely been opportunities over the years where they've tear tore down companies where they just bought them out. I mean, you have to have people that are willing not to to sell their soul for a hundred million dollars for. Well, that we can't. <laughs> that we can't. We can't. You can't help. We can't help that. But that's but that's what I'm saying. You're you're playing the same game because it all comes down to, to capitalism. If 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 somebody else sees that you're being successful at something and they offer you money just to buy you out of it, the owner of BET he was a black guy first, yeah. and who did he sell to? Exactly. Viacom. BET ain't been owned by black people in over a decade. Long time. But that's an opportunity to go start something else. Black owned. It's an opportunity, but not just to go back and sell it to the same people. Just that don't you, sell it to the same people. It's, it's hard to say when you come from a, a community that where you don't have much money to begin but with. But I will say this. You know, after if you sell your first your first business, you're not broke now. Mm-hmm. You're not broke now. So now it's time to change my mindset. Now we got out. Now we got our own for real. Because right. now I have the capital to do whatever I want to do now. Which has always been our problem. The capital. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, like, I, I really believe that, you know, Jay-Z, Diddy, and all of those guys, their money's controlled. That's why they haven't really invested into the black community like we think they should have. That's why there's there's not a, a HOVA hospital or there's not a there's not a, a Diddy bank. You know what I mean? Right. Th- their money's controlled. So... It it is, but it just it, it comes from the same mindset. You if you if you get wealth and you're able to get capital under yourself, you're not gonna sit here and give it to the next person, because because capitalism in itself is what selfish. 
You want everything to yourself. You want your own yes. business. You want everything to you. You're not going to just sit here and give away 50% of your net worth or whatever you have to help out other people that you don't know. Even if it's within you your own You don't have to community. give 50% of I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying a number. It could be any oh, yeah, number. number. It could be any number. But at the same time, I think us as a people, we have to actually realize what ownership is. Because there are so many people in this world that think, oh, well, you know, Diddy owns Ciroc. Diddy does not own Ciroc. He's Diddy the is, face. He's the face of the brand. He has a marketing deal with them. That's it. They're, that's more than likely owned by some sort of white person. I don't, I don't really know who's own, who owns Ciroc, but I know for a fact it's not Diddy. Everybody wants to clown, oh, you know, that Boosie juice, just that and the third. Boosie owns that. Everything. That is his. You got to understand ownership. You, you got to understand, and a lot of these black-owned businesses, and I had a long talk with my sister-in-law about this the other day. A lot of these black-owned businesses, they're renting where they own. So it, it's not Do necessarily- you own it? It's not necessarily fully owned. It, yeah, it's your name, but that space that you're operating, you don't own. Right. You still paying somebody else. And I'm going to take it a step further with it because we do need to invest in our own community. I'm going to take, take it a step further and we need to start getting into HBCUs more. And what I'm mainly, I agree. What I'm mainly speaking on is these top great athletes making all these PWIs money. Take that same thing, go to a, a, a FAMU, Jackson State University, Bethune-Cookman, North, North Carolina A&T, Norfolk State. There are so many... HBCUs out there that you could go benefit from it, and and that's easy. That's the that's the same education. Talent speaks for itself. So right. regardless of where you go, if you are as good as you think you are, you as good as people say you are, it shouldn't matter what school you go to. You Take your homeboys with you. Exactly. I, it's 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 somewhat simpler to say that when when you're on the outside looking. I, I know it's easier said than done, but at least one person try it. No one's really tried it to even say that whether or not it does it. It's not going to work right away. Well, it's, it's going to take, take some a time. Lot of you guys. It's but take I a lot. guarantee you, if some of these top tier athletes take their talent to a HBCU, that's going to tip the scale for these powerhouses in the NCAA. It's, it's going to tip the scales, but you got to think in terms of people that are, people that are making those decisions in, in those communities. You have people that, are, that say, "Oh, well, if I go to Alabama, Alabama is saying that." They put out people at this rate to the NFL. Their, their rate is over 50%. But uh, they put out that rate because they get the talent. It's still talent the, speaks for it's, itself. It's, it's still the rate. So what's what's going to make your decision to say, hey, I'm going to go to FAMU instead of going to Alabama? It, because it's the exposure. But if more, H, if, H, not HBC, if more black athletes or more of these top-tier athletes went to these HBCUs, the HBCUs would get more exposure. It's all about exposure at the end of the day. These NFL scouts are only going to... They're going to go after what they can see. They're going to go to the top. They don't see these individuals at HBCUs because they don't get no exposure. Right. But if you get a top quarterback or a wide receiver, somebody going to an HBCU, them scouts are still going to go out there to see if he's really got game, if he can really play. And talent is going to speak for itself. It, it and, is. But just when you, t when you talk about people that are making those decisions, they're looking at, they're looking at things in the future. They're not going to sit here and say, this, this scout might come or this scout might guarantee me being in the first round when they can't, they can't give them that. If you look at mm -hmm. if you look at things how they go historically, if they say Alabama is putting in fifty percent of their people to the NFL, you're not gonna make a decision to go to FAMU if FAMU is put yeah, less than one percent. Especially if you come from nothing. Well, I'm, I'm not saying it's gonna no. be easy, but look at the reason why Alabama putting out so many players into the NFL. Ninety nine percent of them are top black athletes, correct? Yes. Right. That's why they're getting so much exposure. They're getting all of these top African American kids and. Telling them, well, don't go there because you're not going to get no exposure from a fam US or a BCU. So what they're going to have to do is all go at once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Coming it, out of school, they're going to all have to go at once. It can't, it can't, it can't be yeah. gradual because how do you say, yeah, oh, listen. they all got to go at once. But it, it can be gradual, though, because not everybody's going to make that leap at one point in time. But if you got one or two key players to go first. The dominoes could potentially fall. I'm not saying that it's going a hundred percent work, right. but I'm saying at least give it a shot. At least potentially try to invest in your community. Like I, and like I said, I'm going further than your neighborhood because I'm talking about the black community as an entire whole. No matter what city you in, there are so many HBCUs out there that are. There are so many great schools have so much history. Everybody only always wants to talk about oh Howard Bethune. Uh, fam you but there are so many schools out there there are so many individuals in the nfl granted it may be a lot less than those 
players that came from the Alabamas or the 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 Auburns or the Floridas, but there are still people that went to HBCUs and are thriving in the NFL. Hell, I'm a Colts fan. Darius Leonard, if I'm not mistaken, went to South Carolina State University, which is the HBCU. So it's not impossible, but it takes at least one or two people to, to ignite the fire. Like somebody's got to reach out. Like there was an actual a basketball player, a top tier, top recruited basketball player, and I, I do apologize, I don't remember his name. Stated he may consider he's actually considering going to HBCU. There's also a, a standout Vanderbilt a wide receiver who just stated he getting ready to head to Alcorn State, which is also HBCU. So it it just takes one or two people to ignite the fire. No one, for some reason, no one wants to be. The trailblazer. No one wants to be the trendsetter. They want to fall in line and follow. And, and I think that's part of the problem with us as a black community. We just fall in line. We we don't follow. But that's why I say it's a little bit more difficult because it's it's not that they don't want to be a trendsetter. It's just you being offered these things that are more than what and the they HBCU get, and they come from nothing. Yeah, and you coming from nothing. Come from nothing. How, how do you say? How do you say? Oh, I'm going to go to to this HBCU. They're giving me this this um this shared room, shared dorm. I got to share it with four other people. Right. I have this 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 uh, communal living where we have one bathroom for four people. We're gonna give you five hundred dollars a week for anything outside of football. And we're not good. And we we're not good. We we give you a small chance to go to the NFL versus this big university that says, "Hey, we're gonna put you in this dorm as a freshman. You only have to stay there as a freshman. You uh, it's two to a room. You have your own bedrooms. We're giving you two thousand dollars a week to play to, uh, not a week, but a month to for during the school year." How do you how do you say that to somebody that's coming from nothing? But that's part of the problem, though. Yeah, HBCUs don't have a lot of the same amenities that the the PWIs yeah. have. Yeah. But that's that's because they rake in so much money from these black athletes that decide to go there. So they're they're getting hand over foot money to that institution to do all those things. While you have the like I said, the FAMUs, the Southern Universities, Grambling States, the Bethunes, Norfolk State, uh, Virginia State University that are trying to scramble to get these these players to come there and they're getting the, the the scrapes of the scrapes of the scrapes i just i just don't see very many people in the black community just doing that willingly because the first people that do that are the people that's going to be the worst off because and it also goes back on the coaches as well the coaches don't they don't promote hbcus the first thing they go is you you better off going to a a d2 no name state like a, a murray state or a Cornell, well, Cornell's an Ivy school, not Cornell. It's different. It's, not it's you're so you're saying we need IMG but, to, we need the IMG Academy to promote IMGs. HBCUs. Hell, um, Deion Sanders got a dynasty down in Texas at Trinity High School or whatever it's called. He not promote none of them. Like he telling kids go get paid. Exactly, he telling the, kids go get paid. Have have these kids go to HBCU. And piggybacking off of that, JD. Um, I've heard like over time uh, going to school at an HBCU FM and then going to USF. The the main um, I think the underlying uh, issue is with that uh, we don't give back to the schools. Mm-hmm. That's true, but we that's not true though. There are a lot of people who give back if they can. Like look at the Will Packer. Will Packer graduated from Florida well, yeah. A and M. How You're many? Right. How many? How many yeah. celebrities do we know graduated from Howard? A majority I mean, a lot, of them. I mean, lot, but, like, if they're able to give right. back, they do. Because when you go, and JP, you can attest to this because you are the only person at this table that attended the HBCU. The alumni come back. They support always. It's it's a flowing thing there. Like, if you meet somebody yeah. else that graduated from the school you went to, it's automatically a family connection. But there are so many kids who aren't taught that. They, they're yeah. taught, you don't need to go there. You're not going to get a good education. You need to go to a, a, a PWI. They're not gonna hire you if you went to a HBCU, and that's bullshit. Like, and that's part of the problem. I also have another question: Does an HBCU mean historically black owned, or does it mean just mostly black people went there? It's just, it's just, it was established by or for blacks. blacks. Yeah, HBCUs were created because we couldn't get into the PWIs. Okay. We couldn't yeah. get into yeah. the, the UCLA's, the UC, the, the UCF's, the, the USF's. USC's. So we had yeah. to create our own colleges. That's how all of these colleges were, they were created. But still, they are a, a huge staple in the black community as a whole. Okay. Because we don't, 
we don't have many black high schools. We can speak here in here in Tampa. We have what two Blake and Middleton, and Blake was turned into a performing arts magnet school. So it's still it's still in a and matter of fact, Middleton was turned into a magnet technology school. They're in the heart of the of the quote unquote hood. And King High School has the IB program. Exactly in the heart of the hood. Yet they're still. They they have a neighborhood section, but the neighborhood sections of those schools are so just inadequate, and it 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 just pisses me off to even say that out loud. But it is they're not given the same treatment or amenities as the the quote unquote magnet parts of those schools. So HBCUs, man, it's a it to me. It's the one regret I have in my life that I, I wasn't able to go to a HBCU because it was something that I. That was the only Florida A and M University was the only college I ever thought about going to, so it's my one regret. But Me too. I just I just want to see more. And even if you're not an athlete, if you're just a college kid at all, we, we take I just want to see you give HBCUs academic a, scholars a too thought. All you smart people, go to those HBCUs, man. But that's the end of my rant, man. I'm done, man. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> that's it's no, it's rant, not a rant. No, it's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. It's a good point. It's just when you, it. yeah. It's just no. when you when you when you talking about people's futures, just they 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 take on a bunch of different factors that they don't think that they won't choose the HBCU first. People want a guaranteed, mm-hmm. more guaranteed success. Yeah, so even yeah. if you go to a PWI, it's not guaranteed. It's not, it's, but it's, it's more guaranteed. Talent if you're talks, good. bullshit walks, man. That's true. It, mm. it, it is and it ain't see, at the same see, time. It's, it's different when you get to talk about colleges. It's very different because you, you talk about people that have relationships with, with some of those bigger schools where they have all these different corporations that come there that look for their students. You got to get the corporations to look at HBCUs first to say, hey, we have this relationship with, with uh, HP, Dell, something like that, where you get students that want to go there. That's why you. That's why kids don't go there originally is because you would go to a school like Harvard or Yale, even though it's Ivy League and it's a bit extreme. You go to those schools because of the relationships they have with business partners and things like that that donate to the school. Because you got to be able to go to school off the name, bro. You got to be able to place more than just athletes. You got to be able to place your scholars too. But a lot of these HBCUs have a certain thing that they're known for. Florida A and M has one of the best pharmacy and medical institutions in the fucking nation. Indeed. In the nation, and that's that's why people go there. But outside yes. of that, you, that's not yeah. what other people go there for. Yeah. If you're gonna go for business, you're not gonna go to FAMU. You're not gonna go to Bethune. But there are HBCUs who have that because Howard has a great business school. But I'm saying that just I'm just saying in the area that's not gonna be your first. No, choice. I, I get what you're saying, but that that kind of adds on to what I'm saying. There, people don't they don't promote HBCUs unless you went to a HBCU. You don't hear a lot of Black people in general talk about HBCUs a- academically. If you hear somebody say you go to HBCU, the, the first thing I'm going to tell you about is either the football game or the parties. Which, if that's the reason you go into HBCU, you are for, you are just not even getting the point of why HBCUs exist or why they're so important. And, and, the ed- they, and they also talk about the African American studies that what they don't teach you. Or what they teach, or what they taught us, quote unquote, in high school too, as well. And I learned, Absolutely, I learned, about, I learned about a lot of stuff. So, just yeah. Absolutely, but like I said, man, I'm I'm a I'm gonna go ahead and end that there, man, because I know we we've been going kind of long, but this this whole episode, man, is just something that we've been so passionate about, just being four African American males at this table. So you know this. I know P-Walk had something he wanted to go ahead and end the episode on, so I don't know how long we're running, but go ahead, man. It, it wasn't that long. It was just, instead of a goat talk, there was just a, just a, a few riots that, that I wanted to highlight that was in the Tampa Bay area that some of you may not have been aware of that kind of uh, mimic the same thing that's going on right now. So um, in 1967, there was a riot over on Central Avenue for a 19-year-old guy named Martin Chambers that was suspected of robbing a camera store in Tampa. While he was running away from police, uh, they shot at him in the back and it was ruled that the shooting was justified. So after that investigation came out, obviously the people rioted like they did right now. Oh, they burnt shit to the ground. Trust me. He said, what, he said, 67? Yeah, 1967. One of of my uncles had, we had a brief conversation about this, if I'm not mistaken. 
and because he lived in Tampa around around that time, he they burnt shit to a crisp. Like y'all, y'all, y'all think they did something with that that champs that they just burnt down? You know what I'm saying? With with all the stuff going on with the George Floyd protests and all that, that Central Avenue riot, they burnt stuff down, bro. And one of the topics that we didn't discuss, but we had listed was you know the the whole looting and rioting thing. And I'm going to keep it real short and sweet because I know people all got a couple more. But I'm not saying that I I agree with their actions or what they did. But violence is honestly and, and destruction is the last last voice we got left. We tried the peaceful thing. They didn't like it. They tried. We tried kneeling. They had something to say about that. This is all we got left is to burn shit to the ground, man. So yeah. it be like that sometimes. And, and as you'll see in these these uh, diff- different incidents, it's all been a cycle, a cycle, repeated cycle. 1987, a group of 200 to 400 people began rioting and starting dumpster fire on 22nd and Lake Avenue in College Hill. It started after the, the night of a death of a mentally handicapped black citizen in which uh, police used a chokehold on him and he died in their custody, which is the same thing with... Uh, with uh, George Floyd. Exactly. Rest in peace, George Floyd. Uh, that riot was solely limited to Tampa, and it was for three days straight. Uh, 1989, in College Hill, uh, same thing. A guy got placed, Edgar, Edgar Allen Price. He got put face down in the back of the police car with his hands and legs cuffed, and he died from lack of oxygen to the brain. And then the last one I have here is in 1992, um, also on 22nd by Lake, they, after Rodney King, um, after the the, uh, the release of the Rodney King footage and all the background with that, they were they just started li- uh, rioting over that as well. So as you can see in Tampa, there is a history of riots beyond the one that y'all been seeing on the news right. this uh, ain't lately. New. This ain't new. This ain't the first one. And they've all been over the same thing. So this isn't something that they just doing for the first time now that this is the first time we we feel like we're upset, or as a community, we feel like we're upset because this has been ongoing. Like they taught us in high school, man. What's the common denominator in all these situations? Right. So police brutality. Exactly. Something got to change, man. So you know, I I know it's been what like over a week, two weeks since all this has popped off. You know. Yep. We we wanted to wait, you know, hold off on this episode just to to get our. Our thoughts in order, man. Make sure we, we, we said anything the right way. If there's anything y'all don't agree with, man, like I said, y'all know how to reach out to us, man. Our email address is on the stoop temp at gmail.com. Our IG page is at we on the stoop. And so, like I said, man, if there's anything y'all feel like we should have discussed or anything we missed or if anything that we talked about that you want to add your own two cents of input in, man, that's definitely how to reach out to us. Like I said before, man, the only way we can get better is just with y'all love and support. Y'all continue giving us this feedback. That way we can grow, man. With that being said, man, we'll holler at y'all next week on The Stoop.